I'm not as young as I used to be, which means I can't treat my body the way I once did. In fact, last year's medical checkup didn't turn out the best, so I decided I needed to change things up and start eating healthier. One of the ways I do that is by making smoothies. But smoothie shop prices can be pretty high, and making them at home always seem like a pain. You gotta pull the blender out, find the right attachments, set everything up, and then cleaning everything is annoying, making it difficult to quickly whip up a breakfast smoothie in the morning. That's why I'm glad to tell you about the BlendJet 2 Portable Blender. Like I said, it's portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. That's especially important to me because I wake up before the rest of my family, and once my kids are up, my morning work routine is pretty much shot to hell. And best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. BlendJet 2 has over 30 plus colors and patterns to choose from, so if you don't like one design, there's definitely one that suits your personality. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use my promo code, SuperCinemaPod12, to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2. Can I help you? I'm sorry, Father. I was just watching. Our doors were open. What's all this for? Dia de los Muertos. Day of the Dead. We light candles for our loved ones so they might find their way back to Earth. Tomorrow night we will celebrate. The people will dance and sing. And some will wear masks. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine, and joined by a new guest today, and that is Mike Brace. Mike, how are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Um, so uh, today we're going to be talking about The Crow, City of Angels, the sequel to um, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, but before we dive into that, why don't you tell people a little bit about yourself? Okay, great. Yeah, so um, I have a um, couple of different podcasts that I do as well. Um, one that's sort of in line and uh, what you have here is called Real Drinks, where uh, me and some friends of mine, we get together every week and we um, each share a different alcoholic beverage while we talk about movie news and, rev and we do movie reviews at the same time. And then we 
review, of course, the drink that we had that week as well. And uh, so, yeah, kind of, uh, and we often talk about superhero movies. That's kind of our our uh, main taste as well. Uh, do a couple of other podcasts as well with, um, I have a couple with my sister, one where we uh, talk just about whatever we feel like. It kind of gets political sometimes. We'll mm. talk politics, but then we often will just pull up a random article on like Wikipedia and just, just go over that and talk about fun little nonsense sometimes there. And uh, all, all of my podcasts are, are part of a uh, podcast network called the Real Media Network. And uh, yeah, so if you want to check out any of that, you can go over to realmedianetwork.com and and find some shows that maybe interest you there. Okay, very cool. Uh, so you mentioned you talk about superhero stuff as well on yeah. the show. So what 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 kind of got you into superheroes? Were you a comic book fan growing up, or did you get in through TV or movies? Or how, what's your superhero fandom origin story? Sure. Yeah, I would say uh, kind of equal parts, honestly. Um, as a young, young child, it was, honestly, it was probably the 90s Spider-Man animated series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that hooked me real good. But my brother, my older brother, he's 10 years older than me. He was a comic book reader and he would just pass me, you know, comic books, you know, because he knew that I was, you know, into the 90s Spider-Man show, the 90s X-Men show. So he would pass me some comic books and just be like, here, they're yours now because he collected so much so he would just hand me ones that are like you know he's like he'd he'd be picking up so many books but he's like i can't i'm not holding on to all of these here i'll give you some of these so he was handing me amazing spider-man and um batman at the time and uh so yeah he he really got me into to comic books and i've been reading you know monthly certain titles since since then since like the mid-2000s probably i've been Mm -hmm. yeah reading certain titles monthly right Okay. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so what, um, so like, I I like to ask guests, uh, both new and returning this question, uh, what are you interested at in at the moment? Like comics, movies, TV, anything like that? What's kind of grabbing your interest right now? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, comics wise, um, I would say, yeah, a lot of the stuff going on at DC's pretty good lately with uh mm-hmm. mark wade's I'm not sure if you're reading the mark wade books uh the world's finest not, not yet um because i get everything yeah. in trades and usually only when sure. they come on sale but yeah, yeah, um yeah. but that is one that is definitely that i'm, I'm keeping on the radar for because yeah. I, I love mark wade's work oh yeah one of the best right uh mm-hmm. so yeah he been working on world's finest um just you know Anytime he's writing Superman, it's just <laughs> so good. And then uh, just this past week, he launched Shazam with the same artist um, mm-hmm. at DC too. So uh, really good stuff going on there. Uh, and then oh, I'm also just a huge uh, Jeff Lemire fan. I always mm-hmm. read everything he, he puts out. So uh one of his books is coming to an end, uh, Little Monsters. That's a really good one about like child, well, children who were turned into vampires when they were really young and how they're surviving. I'm not sure if anyone, uh, any of your listeners are reading that, but if they're fans of Jeff Lemire, I'd say uh, get in on that. There's one issue left of that 
coming out. But then again, just yeah, anything Jeff Lemire, you pick it up, you're mm. you're gonna like it. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his Green Arrow run that he did uh, several years back was mind blowingly good. Yeah, so good. And, and that the artist that he did uh, that Green Arrow run with, he's been working on a lot of different. He's done a few different books now um, with him at uh, Image. I'm not sure if you read any of those, but Gideon Falls uh, was really good. Uh, now he's kind of doing this anthology uh, horror series with that artist called the Bone uh, Orchard Mythos, and mm-hmm. all that stuff's really good too. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's Andrea Sorrentino, if I'm not mistaken, right. and I think you're right. They yeah. also work together on Old Man Logan, I think too. You're you're correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And exactly. um, was that? Did they work on Moon Knight together as well? Or oh no, that was Smallwood. I, uh, but yeah, the exact. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was him, but yeah. Um, Non-comic uh, book related, my wife and I just just wrapped up, uh, I'm not sure if you heard of this show, Jury Duty. It just yes, came what, um, we recorded uh, an episode not too long ago, and one of the guests, uh, I'm not sure if he mentioned it on mic or off mic, but he he was talking, uh, Oscar Owens, he was talking about that show and talking it up. Okay, yeah. It's really good. Yeah, we just we uh, just started watching it yesterday. There's there's only like eight episodes. They're about half hour a piece, and uh, we started it last night, and we just we just finished it uh, now. It, it's really good. Just a really interesting concept, and um, yeah, yeah, really recommend it. It's it's funny, and then it's just also very like honestly kind of like eye-opening to like the whole because it's like an experimental way of like making a show and it's it's Mm -hmm. quite quite interesting yeah yeah it it sounded interesting um because we were talking about because those guys were on to talk about x2 so okay yeah that's right yeah Yeah, and and i saw the trailer and yeah playing like a fictionalized version of himself so (laughs) i'm curious to check it out just for that part of it like i'm not usually a reality tv guy but but that aspect of it makes me interested in it yeah yeah what like what's interesting about it is like it is technically a reality show but it's so like it's only like one participant is you know a regular person everyone else is actors and then so it's technically a reality show but it it is all like all the moments are like manufactured, which I guess all of reality TV is, is that mm-hmm. as well. But this is, um, yeah, this is more in line of like, um, you know, an actual sitcom type show that uh, the two of the main writers on the American office created it. And you can really feel, you know, those roots in the, in the show. So, yeah. 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 It's good stuff. Um, Awesome. Yeah, I'll have to check that out at some point. Uh, my thing is, I uh, I saw Guardians three uh, the other day. Okay, and cool. It was nice. it was it was so good. It was. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw nice. some reviews like you know being kind of down on it, and I don't know why because I thought it was just. I also really like two. Like I know a lot, there are some people who are down on two as well, but I love both. I loved all three yeah. of them, and I thought they're. Okay. It does the same thing that two did in that it's. It's very much a Guardians film, but it's also not exactly the same as the ones that came before. So they found a different, James Gunn found a different way to approach each one of those movies. And it is like, I, I, I cried at several points. Like there are definitely points okay. where I, where I cool. cried. So, um, you know, fair warning nice. for that. <laughs> nice. No, I'm looking forward to it. Hey, I have a little question. You know, like, I don't want you to spoil anything, of course, but mm-hmm. um, how like 
pertinent is, uh, say, the uh, holiday special that they put out uh, a few um, months back? Like, how how important would that have been to the experience? Like, is there the only real thing that's... is the fact that um, Mantis is is uh, Peter's brother, uh, Peter's sister. Like, that's the only thing that really comes up from it. Uh, okay. But otherwise, yeah. there's not really a whole lot of mention. There's a nice little Easter egg. Like, there's a there's a newspaper article where it shows that that it's. I didn't even notice it at the time, but there's a newspaper article that appears at one point where it says that Kevin Bacon was kidnapped by aliens or something like that. <sighs> okay, um, that's funny. <laughs> and the credits they are they show clips from they show. Uh, stills from all the different movies and so they also show okay. some stills from the holiday special but but cool. the only real thing yeah. it, and even that it's not a big plot point the fact that um mantis and, and pete are related it's just it's just it's okay. mentioned right at the beginning so if if you haven't watched the special you might be like wait when did that happen but other than mm. that um it's it's mm. uh it's not a big plot point okay cool cool yeah uh looking forward to seeing that i'll be seeing it this weekend uh for sure but no that's cool yeah it was a lot of fun i was worried because um my my son had woken me up early that morning so i like i had got i was going on like maybe five hours of sleep and i was going to a morning showing and i was thinking i'm like man i hope i'm not so tired that i fall asleep during it i was i was riveted the entire time like not a dog at all in it is this something you, uh, how old is your son? Like, was this something you, you brought him along with? Or? No, no, he is, no. uh, he's like eight months, eight, nine months old now. So he's, he's too okay. young. My yeah. daughter, my daughter's <laughs> just over two. So yeah, they're, they're too young to, okay. to get into it yet. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. we're starting to, I'm starting to show them stuff, trying to get them into it, but they're still, they're still too young to really appreciate anything beyond like Teletubbies or Mickey. Sure. How, how was, uh, did you try out the, um, what was the Groot animated? They did those uh, Groot animated shorts. Did you try that with uh, your I tried, but she didn't really respond nah. to it. Like, yeah. I think it, she she likes something with a lot more music in it, and that's a lot oh, more yeah, colorful. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so she's yeah. not she's a little bit too young for that stuff yet. I also yeah, tried some of the other yeah. stuff. Like, there's the the Spidey and his Amazing Friends. Okay, one, yeah. Um, with yeah, with that has Miles Morales and, and Spider Gwen in it. Um, like the Marvel superhero show squad or whatever it is. I tried a few of those, but she's, uh, she's not, she's not responding not grabbing to her yet. yet. She does mm-hmm. have a group, a stuffed group though, that she loves. So oh, there, there is cool. that. Cool. <laughs> so there's, nice. we're starting on that at least. Uh, okay. I, I tried. So uh, our oldest daughter is, is four and, I tried the Groot series even with her and she, she was honestly kind of frightened by it. Uh, you know, she's seen uh, pictures of baby Groot and, and she thinks, you know, oh, he's so cute. But then like seeing him in motion, I think she, mm-hmm. she wasn't a fan of that. She was actually kind of spooked by it. So I was like, all right, I'll turn that off. Yeah. yeah. I think starting her off with the Groot's uh, plushie was definitely something that'll help her ease into it. She's also got um, uh, a Grogu one from star Wars. So, and, ah, cool, cool. And she now she now treats them both like her babies. Like she she puts them in the stroller and she takes them for walks nice. and everything like that. <laughs> so she's fun. definitely yeah. responding positively to them now after after cool. like a year because I bought those for her like a year ago and she like didn't care about them and now all of a sudden she's uh, very interested in them. Okay, cool. Um, but anyway, uh, today we are going to be talking about the Crow City of Angels uh, from 1996. Uh, it's obviously the follow up to the 1994 movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, not directed by uh, nobody. Nobody from the first film returned, right? It, so it's obviously Brandon Lee passed died on set. Um, mm-hmm. But um, 
James O'Barr, he had tried to work on a script, but he just got he just kept having so much difficulty with it because it kept bringing up memories uh, of Brandon Lee, who who he had become friends with. And so uh, so they didn't. And so he he told the director, Tim Pope, he's like, I'm sorry, I can't do it. But, you know, you have my blessing to to do what it is, to do whatever you want. And uh, and instead they got David S. Goyer was who uh, mm-hmm. this was like one of his first credits, I, I believe. And right. He wrote, he wrote this movie, then ended up going writing the Blade films and also the the Nolan films and the Man and Man of Steel. Um, mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. notable for being the the last movie that um, uh, Tui Trang was in. From this was supposed to be right. like her big breakout into into yeah. films after leaving Power Rangers, yeah. but then she ended up dying in a car crash um, uh, shortly after. I think. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, what? Uh, so what, what's your familiarity with the crow? Because you didn't come to me and and request to cover this movie. Nope. I gave you like a list of stuff I had, and you said yeah. just tell me whatever you want to watch. So I thought, well, I've been <laughs> wanting to do this one for for some time. Um, because I think there's it. It's a mess of a movie, but I think there's some good things in it, and especially some well intentioned things that didn't quite work out. But what is your history with the crow, if any? Sure. Yeah, I had watched the original Crow like ages ago, and I barely remember it to be honest. Um, and then I think I've seen like bits from some of the different movies, but I, I really didn't remember anything from this this one. So maybe I saw one of the other because there's like two other movies, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then, and the, then yeah, there was, like, there's a TV um... series. Yeah, yeah, there was uh af- the both the other two movies. This was the last one that was released in theaters. Uh after oh, this okay, you had okay. The Crow Salvation, which was in 2001 I want to say, which sure. and then there was after th- that was like with Eric Mabius, I think it was the main character and Kirsten Dunst was actually was in that and then oh, yeah. uh The Crow Wicked Prayer. That one actually had some names in it, but it was also direct to video. Like it was um Edward Furlong played the main character in that one. Oh, um yeah. David Boreanaz uh, and Tara Reid and even um, Dennis Hopper all played villains in that one. Um, wow, yeah. I mean, yeah. Salvation had some moments, but Wicked Prayer was just god-awful <laughs> okay. shit. And, really, yeah. <laughs> and, and the TV show... TV show is a guilty pleasure, right? It's got Mark Dacascos okay. in it, and it's it's very low budget. It's very much made for syndication. Um, but it mm. was... And especially towards the latter half of the the season, it got pretty decent. Um, But then production companies changed. And so it ends on a cliffhanger that, and they were never able to complete the second season. Mm, Okay. So, and then was the, that series, that one season, was that another character as as the crow or no, that one um, was the Eric Draven character. So that was, okay. They tried to kind of reboot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they had they had gone through the origin story in the pilot episode, and then um, the whole idea was uh, after he had gotten revenge, he had to kind of like you know balance the cosmic sales. So he had to go out, basically going out around and, and helping people and stuff like that. And hmm. I mean, your mileage may vary. I I saw that came out <laughs> when I was in high school, when I was like at the height of my crow fandom. So I really got a kick out of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I remember like seeing it, like flipping through channels and kind of like seeing glimpses of it, but just never really, you know, getting into it. And then, yeah. like I said, yeah, I remember watching, I, 
I was probably pretty young the first time I would have watched the first Crow. So yeah, I really don't remember much of it. So not not much of an attachment. Never read the um, mm-hmm. the comic book series other so uh, either. So yeah, no no real attachment here for me. But uh, I was more than happy to just do uh show up and, and, and watch any anything and yeah watching this movie i i kind of yeah would want to echo you kind of said something about you know there's some good elements to it and i think deep down there's a good movie in here somewhere mm-hmm. like yeah. this this movie is almost good and like the look of it you know it it, it kind of carries over i get yeah it's obviously set um in a different so I, I did go back and rewatch the first crow as well. Okay. Uh to, to prepare for this to like get it all, you know, all, all, all the whole story thus far anyway. And knowing that so the first one set in Detroit and right. it's never explicitly in, mentioned, but it, oh, sure. it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hinted at several times. Um like yeah. at one point um uh T Bird calls the gang, he's like yeah, he calls them like Motor City fuckheads or something like that. Right. And yeah, yeah. and the comic book was the, the original comic that James O'Barr did that was set in Detroit. Okay, yeah, right. So that and then this one obviously is a different, you know, a, a fictionalized LA kind of thing, right? right? But I find the overall like feel of the like production design between the two movies pretty on point, like similar, yeah. right? Because it, it just feels disgusting. Like the world just feels gross and broken and mm-hmm. beaten down, right? In, in both the first and, and this one. So I think like overall the look isn't, you know, you can argue that, yeah, some of the CGI isn't as great as, you know, not that the first one, I guess the first one for the time obviously had really good CGI, but right. then you know maybe it doesn't exactly hold up. But then compared to to this one, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't look that great. <laughs> but then mm. I, I just mean in terms of like the overall production design and in the way it looks um, and the feeling, like setting wise, mm-hmm. it's about on, on par with that first one. And just you know, it really conveys that like emotion of of despair and and dread and sadness and just you know Mm. this is a broken these are broken people in a broken city you know so i think i think Mm. it it did that really well yeah yeah um i i first saw this uh i didn't see this in the theater because i came to the crow you know years after these movies came out i think it was probably about like Mm -hmm. maybe about like a year or two later is when i first saw after this came out is when i saw the first movie and then i then i went and i watched the sequel and was really disappointed with it the first time i saw it but um over the years i've watched it a few more times and and now and I, i also looked into the behind the scenes stuff and read about what the background was and mm. this movie i think it could have been something really good i think there's still yeah i mean you're talking about the look of it i i mostly agree with you although i think that they overuse the yellow filters on it i think they, they oh, kind of sh- yeah yes. that, it's just like <laughs> yeah you could have t- pulled back a little bit on the on the yellow but um, absolutely <laughs> but other than that yeah. i do like the look a lot and i think like you know yeah. a lot of the designs like you know yeah. i think that um the the way that uh vincent uh was it perez. Vincent, vincent perez looks in this like the the outfit he wears the way they did the makeup the way that his hair is kind of like flared out almost like crow's wings i thought all of that looked really cool yeah yeah it, i get like for me because i did watch the like 
back to back, I was like, I get that you, you don't want to. And that was like a big thing, I guess, at the time, like fans were like, don't try to make the same movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't try to make the same, like, don't do the same character. It, it's, you know, you got to respect Brendan Lee and, and all that. So I get that they kind of, yeah, went in a little bit of a direction, you know, so I find the face, the paint on the face is a bit, um, I don't know. I, I, I guess they were trying to do it a bit differently. Like it's not as, as, uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem as refined or as, mm. as well done. And I, you know, I was reading a bit about, you know, the first one and like, I think Brendan Lee was just like, no, nah, I'm leaving it on kind of thing. And I want it to have that wore down look. Mm. And then in this one, it just seems, um, like an afterthought almost it's mm-hmm. kind of like oh yeah like let's just put it on and like it sometimes it just doesn't feel like i don't know it just it doesn't look as good i i guess i meant more so the look of like the set dressing you know like mm-hmm. there's just like everything is broken yeah i'm totally with you like the the filters that they put on to just make it look yeah like amber almost like mm-hmm. they they way overuse that but um yeah, I think like style stylistically they they kind of they kind of did okay for sure, right? Mm-hmm. I I guess it just looked so different and yeah, like the hair they they definitely yeah, did did things differently. It just I guess for me like because I watched them so close to one another, I was like mm-hmm. wanting that original, <laughs> you know. Well, I think one of the problems with this movie is that Goyer and Pope did set out to make this something different and to right. to set it apart from the original, but to still have that continuity through Sarah. Um, and mm. then, but after they finished it, like the Weinsteins took the movie and basically cut it all up and made it so that it matched the same structure as the original movie. And Tim Pope mm. has been on record as saying like, he basically completely disowns this movie. He says, you know, they completely mm. butchered what it was. There is a fan edit out there. It's called like the Crow City of Angels Second Coming. Now I haven't seen it, but apparently Tim Pope has said like this fan edit is the closest to what he wanted to do. Um, okay, okay. And there's apparently some stuff that the the editor didn't have access to. Like there's some scenes that maybe that weren't filmed um, or something like that. So he had replaced, but to make it as true as possible, he had like done some like you know placeholder cinematics or something like that, like kind of like an old silent Mm. movie. So I guess there's some information or or something like that, that was in those between scenes. Um, Mm. Also, there is a comic book. Uh, There was a comic book adaptation um, and it's three issues. If you can track it down, it's well worth the read because that is also much closer to what the original screenplay was. And you really get a feel of how the movie was supposed to be very different from what we ended up getting. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but what were some of the things that uh, that you liked about it, or some of the things that that kind of jumped out at you about this movie? Hmm. Well, let's um, just say, well, before we go into that, let's just say, like overall, like just top line, what would you say your opinion of this movie is? Yeah, I don't, I don't really like it. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> um, it's it's just kind of yeah, like I think yeah, you're kind of mentioning yeah, like the Weinstein's come in, and then it does just feel like like they were trying to make the same movie well obviously 
originally the filmmakers, you know, the the director and the writer, they didn't want to make the same movie, but then Mm -hmm. throughout the post-production process, you had the producers coming in and, and screwing it all up. So it does feel like it's just beat by beat by beat and like the same kind of movie. It's like, okay, he's taking on this bad guy. Now he's taking on this bad guy. And then like the whole relationship, this weird dynamic between him and Sarah, which Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it was supposed to be like a sexual thing until like kind of the end. I was like, I I didn't feel any like real chemistry there between them. And then it's like, well, you know, you get, it's like kind of peppered, but just so loosely. And then it's like, okay, like they are like really in love. I don't know. It just didn't didn't feel right to me. And it, it, it's I know like this takes place X amount of years after the first mm-hmm. one, but it again kind of going back to the fact that I watched them back to back. Like I know she's played by an you know um, an older actress in this one, yeah. but I still like feel like she's younger. And then, you know, this guy is like older and he's a father. And then there's just like a passing little bit of dialogue of, oh, yeah, like the mom left or whatever it was. And then it's like, oh, is that like justifying Mm -hmm. you being with this younger person? Like she just felt like a lot younger than him for some reason. So I felt a little uncomfortable about that. Well, there is a bit of an age gap. They are like, I'm I'm just, I was curious. I just looked it up. Uh, Yeah. Vincent Perez is about like 11 years older than her. So there's a slight age gap there. Um, Which I mean, that's not unreasonable. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. That's exactly the age, the age gap between me and my wife. So (laughs) I'm okay with that. (laughs) No, like, yeah, there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but it just feels, you know, like he's someone that's, back from the dead and then like mm-hmm. i don't know i i'm still just like picturing her as that kid from the first movie so like it, it didn't feel i don't know it, it was just a weird feeling to me especially that like it's supposedly like romantic mm-hmm. and then so i i just didn't buy it you know so you know that's it, it it's interesting you say that and i think this has something to do with the fact that i've I've lived in, I've watched this movie so many times and I've yeah. read the, the comic books. So I've got oh, a sure. better, the, the, the comic adaptation, I, I should say, because this wasn't based mm-hmm. on an existing comic. Um, but, and also just knowing about all the behind the scenes things. So I can, if I think back to when I first saw this movie and again, we're going back like, you know, 20 plus years when I first saw this movie. So I'm, my memory's very fuzzy of it, but I think i I agreed with you back then the first time I saw this movie, that okay. the relationship yeah, yeah. definitely seemed weird um, and just didn't seem like it was developed well enough. But now mm. when I, when I watch it again, I think it's just cause I'm, my mind is filling in a lot of the blanks. And oh, okay. when I watch it now, I'm like, okay, I can see what they were trying to do here. And mm. I get the sense that they're trying to say that basically, you know, in a way, I think Sarah's, living still living with this trauma of having her her friends die so young and and mm. i think that's a big reason why she's drawn to to ash i think they're trying yeah. to play with that like she's trying to and i think there's a lot of that in there right there's this kind of or maybe this is what the attempt was for them trying to like find replacements for something in their life right like okay. you know ash mentions okay. that danny's mother was a drug addict and she yeah, left yeah. and so and, you know, and then obviously, you know, his, his son is gone now, too. And, you know, 
Sarah lost Eric and, and, and Shelly. So I think both of them, they're just trying to fill that void in their lives because Sarah seems very, she definitely seems to have that void in her life in the begin with, right? She's, um, she's so obsessed with the crow and, you know, she's, she's painting this. I think I get the sense that she's like a bit psychic too, because the, or prophetic because she's, she seems to have this link with the crow and she's, she's painting this painting and it looks like Brandon Lee and and Shelly, right. And, um, uh, Sophia Sheenas from the first movie. But then when you get to the end and you see that scene basically mirrored with Ash and her. So I think Mm -hmm. she was kind of seeing the vision of, her own death. And she was kind of like filling that in. Um, yes. Yeah. So I think, I think there's that there's, there's that attempt there to try and make that link, but it's just, this movie is just edited to within an inch of its life that all of that stuff is just completely muddled and lost. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like when you put it that way, it's like, Oh, that's actually kind of beautiful. But like Mm. what we see is not that. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Well, also, you've got, um, well, I'm going to tell you what, what the original ending was. And this would have made it so much better. In fact, I kind of put this ending in my head when I when I look at, when I watch this movie. Um, okay. Because the, uh, the original ending was that Ash does not go back at the end, right? He stays on Earth. And Sarah, at the end of the movie, she gets resurrected as a crow herself. So that was the original oh. ending that was supposed to happen. Um, in fact, the scene when when he falls down and he's in the crowd and he sees his son, he sa- and his son says, you know, something along the lines, if you give up now, we won't be together. Mm-hmm. That was not mm-hmm. the original line. What the original line was supposed, and you can tell they don't, you can't see his face when he's speaking the line. And the reason right. is because that's not what the kid originally said. <laughs> what he originally said was, it's time to go. He was there to say, like, your time is up. You have to come now. You have to go. This is your one chance to mm. to leave. And okay. Ash refused. And he decided to stay so he could try and save Sarah. And that was supposed oh. to be, like, basically he was stuck now on Earth as the crow as, hmm. as a result of that. There's also another scene which hints at this, too. When, um, when him and Sarah are talking and he's kind of asking about, you know, what he's supposed to do. And... And it is one of my favorite scenes in the movie, just in isolation, viewed of it, because it's when, you know, she sent, he says, you know, after I kill them all, what next? And she says, you go back. And then he mm-hmm. just kind of, he reaches, and he looks at her and he just kind of reaches for her hand. And he's like, what if I don't want to go back? And yeah. that was supposed to be this hint that he's trying to build up a life for himself. He doesn't want it to just be about vengeance. He wants to have a second chance at life as well. And I thought... God, that would have been so much more interesting to play with instead of just going with the the cold revenge route. Yes. Yeah, that man, like you just like describing that, I I got like goosebumps. Like honestly, I'm like that's like a good really interesting um direction that they they could have gone, but yeah, that's that's too bad <laughs> that they didn't they didn't do that cuz that would have been yeah, just something entirely different right um yeah because yeah we just we get a lot of like i I don't know like i i guess i kind of liked um the colorful cast of care like seeing iggy pop as Mm -hmm. one of the bad guys uh uh yeah uh, thomas jane uh, as one of the bad guys there too like they they all had like their little moments and none of it's like particularly great uh 
but it is interesting, you know, seeing them, seeing them in there. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Yeah. There, there's some, there's, there's a good movie in there. It just, we don't, we don't, didn't get to yeah. see it unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I'm really curious to go see the, um, I got to track down that fan cut cause I'm really curious to see how he, he fixed it up. Um, yeah. Also at the end too, like that scene where he's talking to um, the little girl, Grace, like, I think that was like a reshoot or something, I believe, because actually what he's supposed to do, I think he, um, what he does is he, he's actually talking to a priest and he says, um, and the priest asks him what he's going to do now. And he says that he's not going to let another shadow fall over Los Angeles. And so that was kind of like. And so, like, my my reading of this movie, when I get to the end, is I try to fill in this gap. So, for me, when he says, when she says, where are you going now? And he says, a better place. My my mind says, okay, that's where the movie ends, and he's still on Earth. He's not, because we never oh, actually yeah. see him go back to his grave. We just see that one scene with him and his son, which was actually supposed to be a flashback originally. Okay, okay, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's neat, huh? Um... Man, yeah, they they uh, they really <laughs> shaved a lot of things out, didn't they? They did, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, let's talk about some of the villains, because you mentioned the villains. Sure. And um, yeah. Iggy Pop's a good place to start, because Iggy Pop was actually the in- inspiration for Fun Boy um, in the first, in the, first, uh, oh, in yeah? the original comic book. Yeah, um, because okay. James O'Barr was a huge fan, uh, was a huge music fan, so he he worked in tons of musical references like um, mm. uh, Eric Eric's body was kind of like based on like the design of Eric was kind of based on like Jim Morrison and also like his, his hair was kind of based on David Bowie at the time. Um, mm. And he had used all these references like, you know, fun boy was 100% I- in influenced by Iggy pop and Iggy pop was actually yeah. cast as fun boy in the original movie, but there was, oh, yeah. there were scheduling conflicts with his touring. So he ended up having to drop out and then they got Michael Massey instead, mm. which mm. I still think was a great choice. I love Michael yeah. Massey in that movie, but yeah. they were able to get uh, uh, Iggy pop to be in this movie. And he's mm. probably my favorite <laughs> of the, of the, of the gang. Yeah. Yeah. He has the most, right. I feel like mm-hmm. they, they gave him the most material. Um, you know, he's one in it pretty consistently and he, gets to chew up the scenery a good amount of times, which is, which mm-hmm. is fun. Um, and then, uh, I, I guess seeing like this, uh, yeah, like it, it, I, I think, yeah, he kind of had the best material to work mm-hmm. with. Obviously it's kind of, it's kind of be- like a shame how, um, it kind of feels like, yeah, they, they wasted, uh, Trang, right like it's yeah her yeah. character i feel like could have been it seemed like she was gonna do more and then you just kind of have this this fight scene which um it, between the two of them and and i feel like it just kind of it's kind of all over the place tonally because there's like moments where he's kind of like playing with her and like laughing mm. and the, like there's this moment where like he flips over and he lands on the couch all like nonchalantly and he kind of does this weird smirk and it's like okay and then like later on he's just like having an absolute meltdown and like screaming mm. and it's like what is what is happening here <laughs> like it yeah. seems like they're trying to ha- have this joyful thing but then he's just 
and then it just ends like really abruptly and i don't know it felt like she yeah. could have done more <laughs> well i think a lot of that Not has that to do she... because she was the last person cast. Like she was actually cast like oh. right before filming began. Um, okay. I'm not sure if there was another actress that was supposed to play that part. And then she got brought in after um, there were scheduling conflicts or whatever, but whatever the case she got, she was like the last person cast. She came in right before filming. And that fight scene was not originally scripted because it was originally mm. going to be something different, but she suggested to the director that they have, they have a fight scene instead. And, mm. um, Originally, I think she was supposed to use a sword or something is what it said okay. here. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look up exactly what it was. But uh, when they were, um, and I guess probably it was just, you know, it wasn't choreographed very well or wasn't no. shot very yeah. well. Plus, it could also be just like the editing, you know, the fact yeah. it, the editing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was I was really um keen on seeing Tui Trang in it when I found out that she was in it because it was it was nice to see her in something that wasn't Power Rangers and you know if she had if she had survived I think it would have been really interesting to see what kind of career she would have had going yeah 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 I just feel like like I said like it seems like they were gonna because Iggy Pop's character right yeah he is um the most consistent and then mm. you know it kind of felt like they were gonna do something really because imp- she's the one in the film that actually kills his son right so right. then i think she's the one who, who who shoots the son so it felt like there was gonna be i don't know something more with her but then it's just this one kind of half-assed fight scene which just like you said isn't isn't shot well and like i'm sure you know obviously she has the capabilities like it's no fault to her at all like no fault of her part but it's just they didn't utilize her to her full potential kind of thing and that's yeah i mean i think she's got yeah i think she gets a lot of little moments that really kind of show promise like the scene when when they're interrogating the um the uh sarah's boss the tattoo artist and you know, mm. she's almost getting like a sexual charge out of torturing him. And like we get mm-hmm. we get these little hints to her character here and there. And I'm like, man, I wish we could see more of what they could have done if or maybe in, maybe yeah. it's even in the um, in the the original work print because they cut like mm. 30 to 40 minutes out of this movie, out of the stuff that was filmed. And that's without the stuff that they never even got around to filming. Mm. That's a shame. Yeah, that's a shame. Uh, Tom Jane is someone too, who always kind of surprised me when I see this movie, I always forget that he was in this. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and in fact, the scene yeah. when, it, in, when he's in the car and the wig falls off, that was, uh, that was not scripted. That just happened by accident. Okay. And, that's uh, funny. Tim Pope lo- thought it was so funny and he loved it. So he decided to keep it in there. Uh, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause well, um, watching, you know, and going through the opening credits, like you get all three of their names together and I was like, mm all of these guys are in this movie. I think this is going to be great. And uh, yeah. So see, and then like the first time, you know, you see, well, all the times that you see Tom Jane in this movie, yeah, he's wearing that wig. And it took me a while to realize, I'm like, oh, okay, that that's him. He's wearing this wig, this whole movie. And um, so again, like could have been a really interesting character. We just, don't get to see a lot of that, right? I mean, right. You just see him jerking off in a peep show for a bit, and then 
he's dead. And it's like, okay. So, I did like how, how uh, Ash goes after him at the in the peep show booth, right? And how he, yeah. he loses, he runs out of tokens, and then he's trying to get another one in there, and he's getting ready to jack off again, and the light comes on, and then it's just oh, Ash yeah. there, and he's like, do you want me, yeah. baby? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's could have, again, it, this movie could have been good. I just really don't like the pacing and yeah, I find a lot of the, like, I don't know, just, just, it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, no, I totally get that. And again, I'm, I, I kind of, I'm kind of become a defender of this film because of everything sure, I learned yeah. about it. And the fact that it, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a good movie in here. It's just, you got to dig a little <laughs> bit and you got to fill in some blanks. You got to do some mental exercises, but it, there is a good movie somewhere in here. And I do encourage people if you can find it. Yeah. I don't encourage piracy, but you know what, if that's the only way you can get it, maybe try to find a download of the, of the comic book adaptation of this. Cause it's actually much better than this movie was or than mm. that, that this cut of this movie was. Um, right. I'm also yeah. planning to look up that, uh, that, uh, fan. that fan edited it too. Mm. But um, also I thought Sybil was kind of interesting. This is kind of one of those things where it seems like it was um, maybe supposed to be something different or maybe supposed to be a connection to the first film. Because if you remember in the mm-hmm. first film, um, Maya, Top Dollar's uh, Bai Ling's character, Top Dollar's um, sister slash lover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, she yeah yeah uh, she ends up getting her eyes pecked out by the crow before she falls yeah. seemingly to her death. Um, and I'm not sure if this is true, but I think one of the things that I'm not sure if I'm conflating stuff I've read about behind the scenes stuff or if I'm just working through fan theories or what, but. Um, I always got the sense that it was maybe that was originally supposed to be Maya in that in that role of Sybil as the as the blind seer, mm. but um, okay. obviously that's not it because you know she's very different actress, not even Asian, um, and she's obviously much younger than than um, she's about the same age as Mia Kirshner, I think, so it couldn't be the same one. Mm. Mm. Yep, that would have been pretty interesting though, wouldn't it have? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hmm. Uh, what did you think of Judah Earl, uh, Richard Brooks's character, the main villain? Yeah, yeah. Um, that guy just like not not much to him, right? Like it, it's mm-hmm. it's interesting. Like, yeah, he's like supposed to be this, you know, this kingpin type character, and then it's like this is like he seems almost just just like looking at him from the outside it's like he he seems normal compared to like the cast of characters that he keeps Mm -hmm. around him like all his like henchmen are so out there and and flamboyant and then it's just like he's kind of just this regular looking person you know he's not Mm -hmm. wearing a wig like tom jane he doesn't he's not like a rock star hair like iggy pop is or anything but um yeah, I just feel like I didn't get much from him as a character. And then, like, you know, this whole thing, yeah, of him wanting the power of the crow and just being mm. really evil for, like, the sake of being evil kind of yeah. feels like. I don't know. It didn't, didn't do much for me as a character. Yeah, I mean, I think he had... I think Richard Brooks does a good enough job with what he has, but... um one of the things too is there was a scene that this was cut out where um, 
Judah tells Sarah that um, when he was younger, he 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 almost drowned and died. And that led to this kind of obsession he has with the occult, which I'm not sure if that's enough to explain his actions here, but mm. at least it's it's some added character yeah. beat that would have explained something. Um, I mean, th- yes. if anything, it probably should have at least left that in. Um, mm-hmm. But also another thing I find weird is it feels like he's playing two different characters, right? Um, I like the idea yeah. of him finding a way to to take the powers for himself, but uh, because that is kind of a spin on the original one where, you know, Top Dollar finds out that Eric gets weakened when he sh- when he when he shoots the crow. Um, mm-hmm. And so what he does instead is this time, you know, instead of, you know, weakening Eric, um, instead of weakening Ash, I should say. Judah instead consumes Ash's powers. And I thought that was a nice twist and gives you something different yeah. from the first one. But mm-hmm. Richard Brooks, he goes from like this very like subdued, very cool performance throughout almost all the mm-hmm. movie. And then mm-hmm. once he gets the powers of the crow, he like starts camping it up for some reason. It just doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Like, yeah, it just felt like, and, and even I found that that was such a weird contrast that he was so, as you say, like calm and, and cool and collected. And then he has these, you know, henchmen that are just chewing up the scenery and Tom mm-hmm. Jane just going around with the camera all the time. And it's like, he seems like he would not want to associate with these type of people. Yeah. You know, like he seems like it's all business and like really, you know, uh, like a bad guy not that they're good people but like he just i don't know it just it just felt weird and then like you know those moments that he does start camping it up like they're already dead so like i, I don't know it just it, yeah like tonally like the performance felt just all over the place and yeah again it's not like faulting the performer it's just like what they're given like and they, and they got to do the best that they they you know yeah can do i mean i think it, given. yeah because i think it would have been so much more interesting if he was if he did have that that cool persona throughout because i mean i think mm. you know talking about like you mentioned that scene where where ash flips on the couch and he kind of like smirks at at, at Kali, and mm. one of the things they tried to do to differentiate um ash from eric was to show him as more of like a trickster type and like you know having a little bit more fun mm. with the with the powers and mm. all that, which I think is a nice attempt to try and distance himself. And then when yeah. you had Judah at the end, it would have made such a better contrast if he's just like, you know, you know, this like cold, unstoppable uh, killing machine. Would if that contrast yes. would have worked a lot better. Instead, it's like they go into like generic almost Batman Joker territory with Ash just being like, you know, trying to be like this stalwart hero type and, and Judah just being like this wacky villain. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's pretty spot on. Yeah. That is, uh, that is a lot of what that felt like. Um, yeah, (laughs) not, not great. Huh? And then Mm. just, yeah, that like his death scene too felt really strange and, that effect yeah. does not hold up at all. That, no, uh, no. Crows um, devouring him, but it just, yeah, not great. <laughs> it also, there's also not really a sense of how that comes about. Again, I think this might be something that is a hint to why, to something that, that maybe had been cut out earlier, but 
we had never seen any sign that Ash has this kind of controller like that or this mm. deep of a link. In yeah, fact, yeah. one of the things that was that was supposed to be in the film is I think Ash is actually supposed to transform into the crow. Because there's that one scene okay. when he comes down to to meet Callie and he like almost like it's like there's a transformation that happens. Uh, I think mm. I remember that correctly. But yeah, that was that was mm. one thing that was supposed to be is he was supposed to be able to like transform or something, which is an odd thing to do. I'm not sure if I really like yeah. that, but mm. um, one of the things, too, that he was supposed to. Yeah, here's one of the scenes that was cut. Ash changes from a crow, then reverts back to human form when he goes down to Callie after throwing her out the window. Callie is still alive and slowly dying after being thrown out the window. She then begs Ash to kill her quickly, but he refuses and leaves her to die slowly. And then I think this isn't mentioned here, but I think like there was like some, there was like some other people like some who saw her and then like came over to like finish her off or something like that, or, or did more stuff to her. Um, Mm. But there was a hint that there was some other stuff that was to happen, which also would have been interesting because it would have, shown this dark this harder edge to ash you know compared to yeah that's because eric was much old. more because eric in the first movie he was he was brutal but he wasn't torturous right no yeah so deliberate. i think yeah, yeah yeah um so i think there's there's obviously something to that that would have been interesting mm. to see for for ash in this movie definitely yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, that, that could have been, that would have been dark. <laughs> yeah, mm. that would have been uh, pretty dark. But yeah, I just, yeah, going back, I guess, yeah, to like the whole characterization of Ash, like it, I guess, yeah, you're saying like he's supposed to be a trickster because those like magic tricks that he does every once in a while right. felt really out of nowhere too. Like it just like, okay, like why is this happening? You know, like, I don't know. I just didn't feel necessary to me. Yeah. I think, I think that's the problem with, again, with all the editing that was done is those aspects get under, get overshadowed by everything else that's happening in this movie. And it's the kind of thing you don't notice unless you've watched this movie a few times and then you start to pick up on it and then you start to realize, okay, I see what they're doing here. And it's just that this is just, you know, this thing got butchered so much that it's hard yeah. to, it's hard yeah. to see it on, a, I get all that on the first viewing. Yeah. that Yeah. No, it's, it's a real shame. Cause yeah. Like that's when you think of like the overall picture of what the characterization could have been like that would have been really nice to see. And it's just a, it's just a shame. We didn't get to see that. Yeah. Um, we, we kind of touched around about Mia Kirshner's performance. What did you think of oh, yeah. how she played the character? Um, I, I liked it. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't mind it. Like it was, um, I, I didn't know that there was going to be any sort of connection, um, to the first movie, you know, jumping into this one. So like, mm-hmm. no, like, it's like, Oh, it's that character. She's all grown up now or not all grown up, but she's, she's much older now. Um, I was I was excited. I was like, this is this is really cool. And like you have like little bits of her with like the young girl at the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. she wants to kind of like take care of. And I'm like, oh, that's like a nice kind of full circle kind of thing for right. her as as a character. And um no, I like I, I liked yeah, I liked the character for sure. <laughs> she was yeah. one of my one of the better parts of the movie, I would say. Yeah, I think so too. I think I've read over the years that she'd gotten a lot of criticism for her performance, but I think she does a pretty good job with 
with what she's had and how this movie was edited, um, you know, you get the feel that there's more going on the under the surface with her than, um, and so, so I found myself really, I paid more attention to her on repeat viewings when I watched this movie. Mm. Um, mm. cause I think she's, there's, there is an interesting aspect to her character that I think it's, it's, it's there. If you can, if you, if you kind of squint and you like, <laughs> you tilt your head a little bit yeah. to the side and you can kind of, you can see these things pop up. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, you kind of mentioned it earlier too. Like she's gone through so much as a, as a, mm. per, you know, watching her friends die and, and things like that. And now she's older and yeah, she's kind of having these visions and she sees Ash. Right. And so she's drawn to him. So like, I get that. Like I get the performance that she was bringing where it's like, this is someone who's seen a lot of dark things happen and um, has lived through a lot of trauma as it is not to mention just like i don't know i just find it 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 fits this dark broody world that yeah exists as a setting right and like so to, for her to be yeah this performance just makes a lot of sense to me <laughs> yeah yeah um and to like the the trauma not only the trauma of having her friends die but you know she got kidnapped and then yeah the yeah. whole thing about her yeah. You know, her mother was Hostage. a drug addict, right? And, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, dealing with that. And even though her mother kind of, like, reforms um, partway through the movie, there's, like, anyone who's known anyone who has had any sort of substance abuse problem, it's not that easy, right? I mean, it, mm. so you got to imagine there were still some hard times after that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, because um, there's a lot of stuff in between the movies that we don't exactly see either. So. Right. Yeah. And and we know we get the sense that her and the and Noah, her boss, work together mm. in Detroit because she does mention to him at that one point, she's like, it's better than pushing ink in Detroit. And then he says, well, you can say that again, love. So it gets a sense that maybe they were working together there mm. and then they they left Detroit and came out to L.A., which, again, right. raised the question That's... of, you know, why would she have had to leave? Right. That's, again, something else that, you know. I'm not sure if that was in the original script, but that's something else that got me interested in. Every time I hear that line, mm. I kind of perk up a little bit. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's... Uh, is there anything else you wanted to mention about this movie? Anything else that kind of jumped out to you? Uh, yeah. Um, I guess, yeah. Like, just just overall, right? Like, it's 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 really not, like, so bad that you can't, you know it's not like awful. You know what I mean? Like it's not awful. It's not, it's just not that great. Like it's, there's moments that I just feel like everything could just be a little bit better, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, there again, we've, we've mentioned it a bunch of times already, but like it's somewhere in here, there's a good movie and, uh, maybe, you know, on further repeats, all, uh, viewings, I'll see it differently. I think this first time I watched it, you know, it was just again, watching it so close to that original movie. It's like, cause that movie is so good. And then watching this, it's just like, what is this movie? Like, what is going mm. on here? Everything just feel, everything just feels a little bit off, but it's not, it's not like so bad that, you know, you can't sit through it. So it's got it's got a lot of good things going for it. I mean, you know, the soundtrack is great, mm -hmm. <laughs> along with the first one. Like they both have, um, if not uh, of the era, but it's. Uh, I think the soundtrack holds up really well. Um, 
so yeah, no, I, I think overall, like if you're curious about the franchise, you know, definitely check out that first movie. Mm-hmm. You won't, you know, regret watching that. And then just be aware that, um, you know, if you're going into the f- second one for the first time, be aware of like, yeah, those behind the scenes drama of, of what yeah. not not behind the scenes in the in post production there was a lot of right. uh, meddling in it, it, it seems right so yeah, just be yeah. wary of that. No, I, I I'd co-sign all that. I I would say like if you're if you've watched the first movie, if you're a fan of the first movie. I think this one is worth a watch. I think it's certainly better than the sequels. Um, maybe track down the fan edit instead. But it's mm. again, there's there's a, there's parts of a good movie in here. It's just there. Yeah. It was just edited in such a way to make it such a slave to the structure of the original. And um, yes, yeah. but I do think that there are some good aspects of it. I mean, I can't say the same thing about the sequels. The sequels are are no. are, are, are terrible. And okay. this one at least is, is uh, worth a watch. It's got some good things. Same thing with the TV show, right? The TV show, it's it's not going to be for everyone. It's not the first movie. Nothing is going to be as good as the first movie. Yes, I think that's absolutely. that's something you obviously have to get out of. So you have to kind of disassociate. It's funny because even though this is the only one that has a link to the first movie, you do have to kind of disassociate it from the first movie to kind of enjoy it a little bit. Because oh, okay. if you're focused too much on the fact that if you're if you're trying to compare this to the first movie, it's not going to hold up. It's definitely not going right. to hold up. But if you yeah, disassociate yeah. it as much as possible, I think that's I think you'd have a better experience watching it. And I oh, think sure. there there is some good stuff in here. I mean, there I think Vincent Perez does pretty good with what he has. The whole cast, actually, um, yeah. with the exception of Richard Brooks in the at the end. But other than that, I think the whole cast really does a pretty decent job in this. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Yeah. Um, that was okay. You just kind of mentioned something there that I wasn't uh, aware of. So, like the the two other sequels, there's no there's no sort of connection to these first two. No, at all? no, like, there's not other at all. Than it, no connection. You know, being uh, yeah, right. Other completely, yeah, completely different story. Which is which is in line with the comics, actually. Like the comics, they have. I haven't read all of them, but my understanding is that pretty much all of them are disconnected, right? They don't have oh, okay. any, there's no sort of connections in any of the, the comics. Um, <sighs> the one exception is there was um, image did uh, a series. It was like 10 issues long. And that was, that came out at the same time as the TV show. And it had the same idea as the TV show where it's going to focus on Eric. It retells the origin story and then it kind of, and it continues on from there. Um, huh. And actually that was pretty good. It was uh, written by, John J. Muth, if I remember correctly, and Alex um, Alex Malieve, I think, did some of the artwork on that. Oh, nice. Um, nice. IDW put it out in one of their The Crow Urban Legends trades, so I definitely recommend checking that out. It's pretty decent. It's um, I remember being I really liked it. I was reading it when it came out, and I was really disappointed when it when it when it ended just suddenly mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. just I'm not sure if ah. Image lost the license or if it or if it was low sales or what, but but it just suddenly ended. Mm. And it felt ah, like a very abrupt good. ending. It was a good series, though. Yeah. And it was a nice insight into um, Eric and also Albrecht is a big focus of it as well. So that's another thing I'd recommend checking out. You know, watch this movie with the understanding that it's something it's not great. If you've watched it before, especially, I definitely say go back and give it another chance with mm. this new knowledge about it. And you might enjoy yeah, it more the yeah. second time around. Or, or try to find that fan edit, right? Or like, try and find that fan can, edit, yeah. Yeah, that feels like it'd probably be 
if if you could get your hands on that, that's probably the optimal way to mm. consume it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, how do you feel about uh, there's supposedly a reboot coming along uh, or a remake mm-hmm. or I don't know if there's a lot of information about that. It kind of seems to be in one of those things that's always kind of in production, but then yeah, just never I mean, really get headway. So we start, I started the show back in 2019 and we covered the okay. crow in like the third or fourth episode of the show. Oh. And so it's like one of the first movies we covered in the show. And back then, we were talking about how this movie was in production for a while. And now it's, you know, yeah, you know, we're like, what, like three years later, three, four years later. And it's yeah, still yeah. nothing. Nell has come out. And it's, so it's, it's, I don't, I'll believe it when I see it because it's been yeah. Bradley Cooper was supposed yeah. to play the role. Jason Momoa was supposed uh, to play the role. I think yeah. Alexander Skarsgård was attached at one point. And so it's like, I, right. I don't know what's happening with it. I don't know if this is actually, I, I, a part of me thinks that someone at at um at Miramax or whoever owns the rights just keeps putting this out there so they can keep, you know, getting paychecks mm, from the studio. I don't, I don't know what it is. It feels like yeah. a tax scam at this point because it's just uh, nothing ever seems to come of it. Um yeah. But I'm not against a reboot in principle, right? Like I said, yeah. I like the I like the TV show. That was a reboot. I liked the Image comic book. That was kind of a reboot as well. I'm not opposed to the idea of a, of rebooting it, especially because the as as close as the original movie was in tone to the comic book, um, it was also very different. They took a lot of liberties from the comic. So I, okay. in fact, one of the things that is hinted at in the comic book is that because in the movie, Shelly is the one who is in intensive care and she survives and then she's in intensive care for like something like 36 hours or something like that, they said. Um, okay. In the comic, it's Eric who has that, inten- who's in that intensive care. And, it's hinted at mm. that the entire crow stuff is all just this coma induced fantasy that he's having in his last oh, moments of life. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. So there's some really interesting things to, to play around with in that, with that original story that hasn't been done in film. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not opposed to, to a remake. I'm curious to see how it would, how it would work. I, I, I think cause you know, Anyone, any movie has a has a potential to be remade if someone has something to say about it. I mean, I one of yeah. my favorite examples is there's a Japanese remake of Unforgiven, and it is oh, yeah. brilliant. It's such yeah, yeah. an amazing movie, and it's with Ken Watanabe in the Clint Eastwood part, and they changed the setting, okay. so it's not in the Old West, but it's in Meiji era Japan, and the the way that they use the that structure of that movie to talk about specific themes to japan was just an, a brilliant use of it same thing with like the okay. the american version of the ring they found some very interesting ways to translate that story to an american um audience hmm, yeah. and if someone is if they are ever going to remake the crow i am curious to see how they would approach it and you know i mean it could be it could end up being a clusterfuck i don't know but i'm willing to give yeah. it a chance if it ever comes up yeah definitely yeah if it ever right it's just one of those things yeah that they just they keep every every at least once a year you hear something about it right and it's yeah. just like all yeah. right <laughs> let's do something when did that uh japanese unforgiven movie come out that was that 2013 really yeah 2013 it, yeah. yeah definitely see if you can track it down i think it got a yeah. i think it might be a dvd release in the u.s or you could probably find it floating around somewhere um okay 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's a really that good real movie. good. It is. Yeah, it's really good. Sounds really good. Um, okay, Mike, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Now, uh, would you want to tell people where they can find you? Sure. Yeah. Um, like I said, yeah, there's uh, the real realmedianetwork.com, uh, R-E-E, with two, you know, real, mm-hmm. not, not R-E-A-L, R-E-E-L. Yeah medianetwork.com uh if you go there you can see a list of all the different shows uh that we have on the podcast network um or i think it's facebook.com slash real media network and uh yeah we're putting out different things all the time so yeah that's about where you can find find our stuff okay great well thanks so much for coming on there's a lot of fun uh talking about city of angels um Mm -hmm. as for us superheroes Thank you. Uh, as for us, SuperheroCinephiles.com is our website, Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, if you subscribe to our Patreon page, you get these episodes a week in advance. Plus, you get access to the uh, Superhero Cinephiles Book Club companion show, where about once a month or so, uh, me and a guest, we talk about comic books, graphic novels, all that fun stuff. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.